since the 12th of March, 2022. And so we say that the, the days and the nights, they're passing by and passing by. And today, what are we doing? What are we doing now? Because these lives of ours, having been born already, is steadily creeping towards old age, sickness and death. And there was a very important uh, disciple of the Buddha who had ordained within the Buddha Sasana. And so he saw the drawbacks, the dangers in the cycle of Sangsara. Could see how this is a place that isn't sure. How the Sankara's conditioned phenomena, they don't last. Even though people may gain things, may gain wealth and status and praise and pleasure in this world, but none of these things last. Whatever we have, we have to leave behind. And so we say that we have to leave behind, we have to throw it behind, because no one wants to leave these things behind. And so this senior monk, this disciple of the Buddha, he said this, we have to throw all of these things behind in this world. And that this world has no leader. It leads itself. Old age, sickness and death is what leads this world. And for us, having been born, we're very fortunate. And to be born into this life as a human. And if we have some wisdom, then we can see the stress and the pain of this body. And so someone asked, well, what's it like being in the womb? Is that painful? And who has more pain, more suffering, the mother or the child? And so this is something that we can reflect upon. That the child has the suffering of a child, and the mother has the suffering of a mother. And so what's the child's suffering like? It's in this very enclosed, stifled place. And it needs to depend upon the food, the liquid that the mother takes in. And the mother needs to share these. She shares her own blood and flesh with the child. But this child, does it think about this? Does it even consider this to be its mother? Does it know what's going on? And it probably doesn't know what's happening, that this is its mother, their mother's pregnant. They just need to survive. And if there's any suffering that the child, the baby, experiences, then it wriggles about. If the mother eats something spicy, for instance, that causes the child uh, to feel kind of stinging, and then the child will wriggle. But for the most part, the mind of the child is in the bhavanga state. And so the things that it knows, receives, is very few. But does it suffer? Well, it does suffer, but it forgets that very easily and very quickly. And it doesn't really think about, am I going to survive? It doesn't have these kinds of thoughts. But the mother, however, before becoming pregnant, and could live at ease with convenience. But after getting pregnant, it's not so easy, not so convenient anymore. 
standing, walking, sitting, lying down, it's all difficult. And during the course of nine months, the mother's weight grows and grows, and they often have to work as well. And so that's suffering in the body. And so there's suffering in the body and suffering in the mind. And so the child is born. Sorry, when the uh, before the child gets born, then the mother wonders, well, is the child going to be safe? Is it going to be a safe birth? And will this child have all of the body parts? Will it be a complete child? And in previous times, we didn't know whether that would be the case before the child was born. Wondering, will the child be complete, have all of its body parts, or will it be born in a disabled state? And if it is complete, then the mother feels at ease, feels like the child is safe. But that's the suffering of a mother. And they wonder, will the child's mindfulness and wisdom be good? So the mother has great goodness and virtue uh, towards the child, but also suffers a lot. And so there was a uh, disciple of the Buddha, Venerable Sivali, who was in his mother's womb uh, for seven days, seven months, and seven years. And you can think, well, how much suffering would that be? And what kamma is there? And what kamma produced that for the mother, for the child? So in a previous life, uh, Venerable Sivali was a king and was uh, invading and about to go into, take his army into the enemy city. But the mother told uh, Venerable Sivali in that life to not kill the people there because she had sila, she had morality. And so she said instead to lay siege on that city. So they laid siege for seven days, seven months, and seven years. And the people in that city, uh, they had to go without. And eventually they couldn't take it anymore. They'd been fasting for so long. And so they uh, surrendered. And so this was the kama that meant that uh, Venerable Sivali had to be in the womb uh, for seven years, months, and days before he could be born. Because that was the kama there. So you could ask, well, who created more kama? But really each being has to follow their own kama, follow their own actions. But in terms of a mother and a child, in their hearts the mother has more suffering. So therefore for us, having been born like this, with all 32 parts to our bodies, they're complete, we're very fortunate. And so we should contemplate uh, following these reflections of this enlightened disciple of the Buddha. And we have the faith to ordain like this, or perhaps people haven't ordained. And, but we should contemplate the nature of this world that we've been born into nonetheless. And ask ourselves, the things that we take to be me, belonging to me, is that actually the case? Why is it that these minds of ours cling to this body and take it as being me, belonging to me?
whatever things come up, we latch onto those and taking them as mine. But this attaching in this way, taking things in terms of self, this is the cause for suffering to arise in the mind. And so when there are the causes for suffering, then that suffering will arise. When there's this, then that will appear. And so when there's avicca, tanha, upadana, this ignorance, craving and clinging, then suffering needs to arise. And so from avicca, it's ignorance, there's greed, hatred and delusion that comes up. So to give a simile for these, greed it's like a cool fire. It's when it, but when it arises, it goes out very difficult, very difficultly. It's hard to put out. Anger, it's like a hot fire, however. It comes up very quickly, but it also goes out very quickly as well. And delusion, it's like a smoldering fire, kind of like a dark fire. And it stays hot, and it stays alight for a very long time. So these greed, hatred, and delusions, they're the three fires that burn. And they're the roots of all unskillful qualities. These are the things that practitioners need to abandon. And through that then we gain an understanding. And so we should ask ourselves, why do we think of things in terms of self? When we're born, then we're constantly taking things in this way, perceiving things in this way. And perhaps we haven't heard about the Dhamma, we haven't studied the Dhamma. Maybe we know about making merit and we make offerings, but just following the traditions, following what other people do. But one day, suffering appears for us. And so then we try and find a path out of that suffering. Perhaps we listen to the Dhamma of an awakened being, of a great teacher, and they tell us that this body is not self, that that's what the Buddha taught. And so we hear that and we try to practice and meditate in line with that. So for myself, uh, before, when I was contemplating uh, blood, I could understand that the blood outside of me wasn't me. I went to donate uh, some blood and I saw it there in the bottle. And so I could contemplate how this isn't self. But the blood still in my body, I couldn't see that. It was something that just wasn't clear. I couldn't really think in that way. And so the wisdom was still murky and my vision was obstructed, wasn't clear. So what we need is the wisdom that arises from samadhi. And if we have samadhi, then our wisdom grows. And so we hear this teaching of not-self, and our minds believe it, but we need to train in samadhi in order to gain insight into that. So if our samadhi is just a small amount, then the mind will always be running after the sense impressions. And we try and contemplate these things, but we just don't see them. We listen how this is not self, it's not self, and we believe but we don't yet see. We have 
a trust in the teachings of the Buddha and the Dhamma and the Sangha, but it's not yet clear for us. Whenever there's something that occurs that we please by, then we get happy. If there's something that displeases us, then we suffer. It just goes on and on like this. And we know, we know we don't want things for be, to be this way, and, but that's how it is. Our minds are like this. And it's not the case that when we think something, we just get that. We need to practice in order to gain this. And so we practice training this mind for samadhi to arise, having firm mindfulness, this recollection, to bring about right samadhi. And when our mindfulness or recollection is constant, then the mind will be in a firm state. It will come into samadhi. And when it's firm like this, then we can contemplate so wisdom can arise, so that we gain insight. We can just touch our left hand with our right hand, feeling the bones there under the skin, and ask ourselves, well, how is this a self? And normally we take all of these things to be self. But we see how there are many different bones there. So how can all of these bones be me? And we take all of the 32 parts of this body to be me. We take all of the khandas and this form and feeling, perception, mental formation, sense consciousness to be self. But how is that possible that all these different things are me, are myself. And other people have all of these just the same as us. It's no different. And so, but the mind attaches to all of these things nonetheless. And it attaches to this body as being me, because this body is the closest thing to it. So when we cling to a self, then all kinds of problems arise. We harm each other through our body, our speech, and mind. And it can get to the point where we wage war on one another, where the world is in a chaotic state. And why is that? It's because of me and mine, my country. You see how before, in previous times, the boundaries of countries weren't so distinctly defined. And uh, But now they are, and there's more of a sense of self around that. And so it creates all of this turmoil and chaos. But it's just normal for the world to be like that. For us, however, we're practitioners, and so we should meditate. Meditate for the sake of our minds, so that we can see into not-self, and see this clearly. And when we see into anatta, and we see the Dhamma. But it's something that we need to train and practice and we need to meditate in order to gain that. And when we have done that, when we have practiced well, then we will see clearly and the suffering that we have steadily reduces. And we also perceive how it's a frightful situation having a mind that hasn't yet understood, that's still stuck in the cycle of birth and death. And sangsara can go on for a very, very long time. And just like through the space of one day, there's always this me and mine coming up. 
whenever a sight comes in through the eye, or a sound through the ears, or an odor through the nose, a taste touches the tongue, tactile sensations come in the body, a feeling, a thought occurs in the mind, there's always self. You're taking this all as self, and this happens throughout the entire day. So having a self, we take this self of ours to practice, to meditate, to create goodness. If it's a self that doesn't have morality, that isn't virtuous, then that's just too coarse, that's too crude. It's the state of a patujana, and someone thick with chelases. So what we need to do is to take this self and make it a good and beautiful self, with a beautiful mind. One that has virtue, that has generosity and virtue and meditation. So there's still a self there, but we're making that a good self. There's still attachment there, but we're creating goodness. And when we create goodness, we have this belief uh, that what we'll get back is goodness. We have a belief in karma like that, that we're creating the causes for happiness. We're abandoning unskillful deeds, creating merit, but there's still attachment there. Whenever the mind thinks of something, if it's a bad thought, then we attach that as being my thought. If there's a good thought, then we attach that as being mine as well. And so there's still this clinging there, there's still the causes for suffering present in the mind. And so we train, train in samadhi. And samadhi is an exceptionally meritorious activity because the people who can create that within their hearts, they have a buoyant and bright body and mind. And they separate out the elements, separate out the khandhas, the sense faculties, and the mind becomes empty and pure. And in this state, it's a lot of goodness that we're creating. This is a very good state to be in. There's a lot of happiness, joy, contentment in the heart. And so this is the state of a kalyana chana, a good and beautiful being who's about uh, to change into a noble being. And this change, this a uh, metamorphosis, it happens slowly but surely, that we gain that clarity of vision, able to accept the truth. And once we've accepted reality, and then the mind becomes noble, becomes a noble being. We see into this nature of inconstancy, how things are unstable, how they don't last, and this is clear. And so we set our hearts on practicing in this way, before these bodies of ours fall apart, and they need to fall apart, they are sankharas after all. So we see how during the time of the Buddha, that all of the arahants, they all passed away. Venerable Sariputta Mahamogalana, even though they had such great wisdom and psychic powers, they still had to pass into final nibbana. And all of the great teachers of this recent age, they've all passed away. And are there going to be any left? 
And so we think, we must die for sure, we must die for sure. Isn't that right? So before we die, we should make sure that the defilements die first, that it's not just the body that passes away. Because all people need to die, and that's just how it always has been, that no one stays in this world for a long time, that we just reside in these bodies temporarily. So therefore, we need to be firm in our practice, in our meditation, to do this a lot, develop it a lot, and then one day the mind will gather together and we'll see clearly into the nature of truth. We'll gain vision into the Dhamma that we should know and we should see. And through this we become an Arya Pugala. So this is a being that's far away from enemies, a noble being. It's the changing from a good being into a noble being. So we need to have faith, and we need to have effort as well, in order to free ourselves from the suffering. And that happens due to the sincerity of our efforts. And so may all of you train in this, because this time that we have now, it's a very good opportunity, good opportunity for us to be able to train. But even though we haven't been born in the time of the Buddha, we haven't been able to meet the Buddha, what we have met is the Buddha's Dhamma, is his teachings. And this Dhamma is able to take us to the end of all suffering. So may you be heedful and may you set your hearts on this. <coughs>